0: Yeah, Matthew chapter 1, as we just not only think about sending, but think about this Christmas season um, that we're in. You know, Christmas is, it's, it's the one Christian holiday that everyone wants in on. Like everyone wants a piece of Christmas, even if they don't believe in God or they're not religious or whatever. Like everybody wants to have some kind of like part in Christmas, I read a while back um, an article in The Guardian um, about an an atheist family. And the dad in there would not allow them to celebrate Christmas at all. Like no lights, no tree, no nothing. But after 10 years, his kids just begged and begged for something. So finally he gave in. And the one Christmas he got a cactus and said, that's the closest we're getting to Christmas. It's just interesting to me. He said, you know, I started giving in because I saw the community aspect of it. And people talk about joy and love and peace. And that all sounds great. But what we need to remember, what we need to keep in mind um, today in this, this season is that according to the Bible, Christmas is not about principles that bring peace. It's about a person that brings peace. It's not like you can just talk about joy and love and peace. And if you just follow an inspirational story or watch enough Christmas specials or listen to Bing Crosby enough, like all of a sudden love and peace and joy is just going to happen. See, it's not about just these like lessons we teach or just inspiring thoughts. You cannot have the peace of Christmas without the person of Christmas. And that is Jesus Christ. So what is it about Jesus That brings us joy and peace and love and hope. What are the the, the truths? What are the, the claims of Christmas? And what does Christmas reveal about our needs? Well, many of you know that the first half of the Bible talks about God promising to set things right. Because all we need to do is look around us and look at the news to know that all is not well in our world. I mean, even right now, even people who who don't even talk about religious faith, they realize right now that the world is going crazy. Like, have you just been thinking that the last few months? Like, all is not well. The Bible says that all hasn't been well since the dawn of humanity, that that sin has been broken loose and that the lying and the cheating and the stealing and the war and the terror and all these other things are a result of being in a broken world. But through the prophets, God promised that one day he would make things right, that he would set things right. And what we celebrate in the Christmas season is the arrival of God's Son into the world, the beginning of these promises being fulfilled. That's what was taking place 2,000 years ago when the angel announced to Joseph, who was going to to marry, that this woman named Mary, but she was found to be with child, and it was a miracle, but Joseph didn't understand it. And it was in that moment that the angel said in Matthew chapter 1, Verse 21 to 23. Speaking of Mary, the angel said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Here in this passage, Jesus is given that title Emmanuel. And that title reveals to us several truths or several claims about Christmas that can actually bring us peace and joy and hope. And the first is this. The first truth of Christmas is this, that God was with us. See, what we celebrate at Christmas is not just an idea or or a cute little story, but it's history. Something has actually happened. What we celebrate at Christmas is a miracle. That the God who created this universe, the God who created the planets, he he took on flesh and he came into our world. That the infinite became an infant. Of course, if you've read the Bible, you know that this was anticipated hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, that's good news, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace time and again you find passages like this in the old testament that said one day a good king a righteous king a perfect king one day god himself would show up if anyone had spent any amount of time reading the old testament scriptures they would know that this promise had been made and something was going to happen and yet what was unexpected was the manner in which this king would come that he would come in such a poor and lowly state. Notice the contrast of Christmas. There's these prophecies about the king. God himself would show up to make things right. And oh, by the way, this will be a sign to you, the angels said to the shepherds that night. This will be the sign. You'd be thinking, what is the sign? Is there gonna be like this magical, you know, like the heaven's gonna open up and there's just gonna be this array of beautiful lights like shining down across the whole planet? The angel said, no, this is the sign. He'll be born into a poor family in a stinky little manger. You're like, oh, well, that's different. Like, that's not really what I was expecting. Now, I know that for us, the manger scene in the nativity is like sanitized. Like, it's just neon and plastic. And, you know, the manger looks actually pretty nice. Like, oh, I'd sleep in a manger. And there's like a singing donkey and the little mice are singing like, oh, holy night. And you're like, I love Christmas. Okay, none of that happened. Just to give you that perspective, the manger was a disgusting feeding trough. And yet the angels say, this will be the sign to you. You want to know how the king has come? He'll be in a nasty trough. Oh, okay. But what we need to pick up on here, church, is that this is part of the miracle. That the God who is above all would come and make himself lowly of nothing. Poor family, Not even enough room, not even a proper bed, just born in a manger. I don't want us to lose the miracle of that. Not just the the miracle of the incarnation that God took on flesh, but the miracle that he was willing to do it. Willing to come to such a lowly state. Why? Because he came first as a servant. He came first as a servant. This king would serve putting everyone else before himself, to live a perfect life on our behalf because we failed, to die on our behalf for our sins, and to rise again on Easter Sunday. Why? Because according to Matthew 1, the gift we really need is the gift of rescue. The gift we really need is the gift of forgiveness forgiveness of our sins so that we can be near to God. That is why the the angel says, here, this child is going to be born and he will save his people from their sins. This is the gift we truly need, but it catches many people off guard because we don't expect that forgiveness is like the thing we really need. In fact, many of us, when we hear that, or maybe many of your friends or relatives, if you were to tell them that, they might be a little shocked. I mean, imagine for a moment this Christmas that you receive a gift in a little box wrapped in a perfect little bow, and you're like, oh, it's small, must be expensive. And they give it to you, and you open the bow, and you take off the lid, and there's a little piece of paper inside of it that says, I forgive you. You might be a little like, oh, <laughs> this is what I get for Christmas? Like, your spouse is like, I forgive you. Shh. Here's your gift. Some of you are like, oh, that's a good gift. Like, (laughs) Didn't make my way to Target this week, so that'll be a good one for the spouse. See, some of you might be a little offended. Like, this is it? This is the only gift I, I get this Christmas? See, that's how many people feel. You talk about, oh, Christmas, it's the ultimate gift, and you bring your friends to church, and they're like, forgiveness. I'm like, huh, really? Yes. Absolutely. Because the gift we really need is just that. It is forgiveness. It wasn't anticipated that God would come in such a lowly state. It's not anticipated by many that this is our truest need. But the only reason we would find that shocking is if we don't think we actually need to be forgiven. And many people don't. And yet when we think about Christmas... And we think about the statement, he will save people from their sins by taking their punishment for us. It's a reminder of what Christmas is all about. See, Christmas is a call for us to look in our own hearts and say, well, what is it that I truly need? What is my deepest and truest need? See, Christmas is not a piece of good advice like, hey, it's Christmas. Go be a nice person. It is an announcement that you need a savior that the world needs a savior. And it is an announcement that that savior has come and he's come in a lowly state. He made himself nothing. And it was his lowliness that would lift us up, that would indeed save us so that we can have peace with him, so that we can have joy with him. And because God was with us, this actually happened 2000 years ago. You and I can know secondly, that God is with us. God was with us in humility, but now we can know that God is with us in power. For the Bible says that he makes his home in anyone who believes in Jesus. Anyone who believes and trusts in him, he dwells in us, he shows us his love, gives us comfort and peace and guidance. He makes us new. He gives us a new heart with new desires, new courage to live the way that God has called us to live. He gives us new power to do it to do what would otherwise be impossible, God provides for us. And receiving the gift of Christ, we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who helps us to follow the example of Christ in loving others as he has loved us. I know for many of you, as we talk about sending and being sent and the fact that you are on a mission and that you're to reach the people around you, I know that for some of you, that can seem very daunting. And the temptation would be to just sit on the sidelines or say, well, that's nice for other people, but not for me. But indeed, the Bible says that all of us are called to mission. But maybe some of you are shrinking back right now. You're intimidated by that. Or you look to your own natural resources or personality or strength and you become fearful. But friends... The message of Christmas is good news because it means God is with us. When God sends you out, he doesn't send you away from himself. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to send you out in the mission field. Call me when you get back and we'll talk, see how it went. Because friends, the truth is this. Whenever God sends you, he sends you with himself. God is with us. Emmanuel, just as he came down and lowered himself, becoming an infant, becoming small, becoming vulnerable to live and die on our behalf and rise on our behalf. We can know that even here and now he is with us. I know many of you, especially around the holidays, you face perhaps a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. Some of you are suffering For some of you, your whole relational world, relatives, family, friends, is just a mess. Maybe some of you are even dreading Christmas. I know for many, it can be a source of depression, but you can know this in the midst of all that. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the loneliness, God is with you. For Christmas is an announcement, you will never be alone again. You never have to be alone again. It doesn't matter if others have abandoned you or forsaken you or not connected with you. Jesus Christ is with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God is with us. God was with us in humility. God is with us in power. And because of that, we can know thirdly that God will be with us. He will be with us. I don't know what you think about when you think about the future. But for me, it could be a source of anxiety. It could be a source of fear. I'm a very anxious person, naturally. Just ask my wife, ask Pastor Brett. I just get anxious, nervous, and worried about everything, everything. And so when I think about the future, oftentimes I fear. And even as my family uh, and I are taking this, this step and just overwhelmed with, okay, new country, new school, new neighborhood, new friends, new culture, like new everything. Like part of that's really scary. And there's just this thought in the back of my head. It's not from God. It's definitely from Satan that like, oh, God's going to bail on you. He's going to bring you all this way and say, ha ha, and then like leave. And God's going to play some trick and be like, I'm alone. I I followed the call to be sent. Now I'm alone. Friends, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen not only is is he with us, he will be with us. And Christmas is an opportunity for you and I to stop our busy, crazy, oftentimes very distracted lives and look at what God went through to bring you to himself. Look at the lengths to which God has gone to save your soul. Look at the lengths to which God has gone to bring you into his family, to be in a relationship with you. Do you think he's gonna leave you in the future? Do you think he humbled himself, lowered himself, went to a cross for you, and then he's gonna leave you later on? Of course not. Like the apostle Paul says in Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God is with you. He will be with you, even when you fail. Even when I make mistakes, even when I fall on my face, even when we sin, God will be with us. For Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, I think it is interesting that Matthew's gospel begins with a statement of who Jesus is. Emmanuel, God is with you. And at the very end of Matthew 28, when Jesus is resurrected, before he ascends into heaven, when he's sending his disciples out on missions, he reiterates that truth by saying, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. It's as if Matthew is saying, hello, God will be with you. He will be with you no matter what it is that you are going through. And one day, though we will face suffering and challenges and trials and obstacles, one day, King Jesus is gonna set everything right. He's gonna make all things new. But it starts by setting us right and your neighbors and your family members and your friends the coastlands and to the ends of the earth. It starts by setting us right. In receiving Christ, this is what brings peace. See, the one thing we should really fear about the future is final judgment. It's final judgment. That's what we should fear. But the gospel says that Jesus, he came the first time not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment for you and I. So that we would not live with fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind because he is, he is with us in this. And it's not based upon you know, all of your good works or your achievement that Christmas is about. Like go out there and be a great person because listen, Christmas is not about how good you are. It's about how loved you are. Okay, all of us are on the naughty list. That's what I tell my kids, like naughty, nice. I'm like, we're all on the naughty list, okay? Jesus had to come and save us all. Christmas is an announcement. It's about how loved we are. God was with us. He was here. He came into our world. He is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will be with us in glory. That is the truth that Christmas shows us and puts on full display that you and I need to take to heart. And so this morning, we would do well to respond in this way first of all, we must receive these truths. We must receive these truths. You know, we sing that song every year, let every heart prepare him room. But are we? I mean, I was, I was when you go to Starbucks, you know, and like, there's these beautiful Christmas songs. Have you ever seen the irony? There's these amazing, like, theologically rich Christmas songs playing on the loudspeakers, and people are like, I said less foam in my latte. <laughs> It's like, peace on earth, and people are like, no, I said four shots, and it's just ridiculous. I'm like, Jesus, come. We need you. It's amazing. There's these songs that we hear, and and sometimes we sing, but have we really actually responded to those truths? Let every heart prepare him room. That means if you're here today, and you are not a Christian, today is the day of salvation. It means that right now, you say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive this truth that you are my savior, that I need forgiveness. I need rescuing and I receive these truths. And for you, dear Christian, it means that you continue to receive these truths because we are very vulnerable to this thing called pride where we say, yeah, I really needed Jesus last year, but this year I'm okay. Listen, we need him every hour. I don't know what your favorite Christmas song is, but mine is Oh Holy Night. I'm not gonna sing it. But there's that line that says, fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. What an appropriate response to what we have learned. Some of us might not be in that place. We're like, oh, well, I'm not that desperate. Listen, you are. We're all spiritually bankrupt. We just haven't declared, (laughs) but we are. I'll never forget years and years ago, uh, my father died went to be with Jesus in heaven about 13 years ago. And I'll never forget the last Christmas service that we ever celebrated was in this old VFW hall that just smelled like cheap beer and cigarettes. And there was like this one kind of like dying Christmas tree there, a small group of people. And my dad at that time, his health had just totally declined. He was on oxygen. we sang, Oh Holy Night. And it came to that line, fall on your knees. And I remember I looked over and there was my father, like getting out of his chair, holding onto his oxygen tank, just getting on his knees and lifting his hands. And it just melted my heart because it showed me like this man, even though he's been through so much pain and suffering, recognizes even to that moment, how desperately he needs Christ. If that's true for him. That's true for all of us. Today, we need to receive these truths and not resist them. And as a result of receiving that, then we can rejoice in these truths. That, that, this message brings joy. Even if you're in a difficult time, you're going through a very challenging circumstance or even suffering, remember, if God was present in a manger, even in the worst of circumstances, then the same is true for our circumstances. The same is true for us. That's why we can rejoice. And lastly, we repeat those truths to others. We receive him for ourselves. We rejoice in them. And just remember God is with us. He is for us. He is not against us because of Christ. So let's repeat these truths to others. Let's share this good news to all the people around us that need it. See, this week we celebrate his first coming. But we do it in anticipation of his second coming. Christ has come and Christ will come again. And Christmas is God saying to you, look how far I go to be with you, not just to the cradle, but even to the cross. That's how far I go to be with you. And this will be a sign to you. This is a sign for us today. You know what it is? It's a lowly picture of the Lord's table right here, bread and the cup for you and I to take today, take the bread, dip it in the cup and remember, remember what we're told in scripture, what Christ has done for the Spirit would say to us, this will be a sign to you, remember the lowliness of my Son. Remember what He has done, and remember that He is coming again. For First Corinthians 11 says that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we remember Christ's first coming, we anticipate His second coming, knowing that we are, like Paul says, citizens of heaven. He says, our citizenship in Philippians three is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Christmas, we not only look back, we are looking forward saying, Jesus, you're going to come. You're going to come again. And one day you're going to make all things new where there'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more wheelchairs, no more cancer, no more suffering. Jesus is going to have the last word. And we remember and we look forward to that day here and now. And we celebrate the community and the mission that God's given to us here and now in anticipation of that great and glorious day when our King will come again and set everything right. Amen. Father, we pray right now that not one of these truths would escape our hearts. That we would humble ourselves in this moment. That we would fall on our knees and say, Jesus, we receive all all that you have for us. We do not want to resist. We simply want to receive. I pray that you'd humble every soul in this room, including my own. That we would not have an attitude of entitlement or self-sufficiency saying, God, we're fine. We don't, you know, we don't need it or we just need a little boost. No, we declare together we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need your rescue. We need your presence. And I thank you that there's nothing we can do to earn it. We simply open up our hands and we receive. Father, for those who have never believed, I pray right now they would believe. I pray that they would receive the truth that you came, lowered yourself for us, rose again so that we could be forgiven. I pray that they would receive that right now, believe and be saved. And Father, for those who are just discouraged or maybe they're looking at their circumstances right now and it just seems so daunting and it seems like there's no way anything good can come out of this. Lord, may they remember this morning that if you were present in a manger and on a cross, then you're present with them here and now. You are with them. You are Emmanuel. Holy Spirit, would you just cause our eyes to be open to the reality of your presence right now. And would you fill our hearts with a passion to retell and repeat these truths to those around us. God, would you do that for your glory? And even now as we worship you, as we pray, as we take communion, may we remember what you have done. May we look and see the great lengths to which you have gone to be with us forever.